this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And, and I'm, I'm a, a writer. writer, but... Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Jack Gems, Jock Jams, Jack Gems. <laughs> Jack Gems is the author of The Grip of It, My Only Wife, A Different Bed Every Time, and the story collection False Bingo, which won the Chicago Review of Books Award for Fiction, was a Lambda Literary Award finalist and was longlisted for the Story Prize. She teaches creative writing at the University of California in San Diego. Her new book is Empty Theater, a wildly over-the-top social satire reimagining the mad misadventures of the iconic royal cousins, King Ludwig and Empress Sissy. Welcome, Jack. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be here just to talk to you, yes. who I love and have loved love for what we just realized coming on 20 years yes. now, which mm-hmm. is terrifying, mm-hmm. um, but also because I'm such a big fan of the show and I curse you all the time because I walk around <laughs> my house singing the theme song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jack and I went to grad school together at the Art Institute of Chicago many, many years ago. And um, we know each other in a way that I feel both really grateful for and horrified by. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, and I read Empty Theater. I got uh, an advanced copy of it and I read it over Thanksgiving week and I flew through it. I could not put it down. And I was on vacation with my family um, using the word vacation in the loosest sense yes. of the word because I have three <laughs> children. Um, and I was in Missouri, not on the beach. But I, I was, I was actually in a really bad spot myself with my editing for my novel that's coming out this year. And I, I couldn't connect to it and reading empty theater showed me a way somehow. I don't know if it was just like, it's such a wonderful, fun, deeply realized book that it bolstered me in some way. Um, And so I'll never, ever forget the feeling of of getting to a point in the book, which we're going to talk about in a little bit and, and realizing, oh my God, I can see things in a new way. You gave that oh to me. God. Oh my God, Lindsay, that's like the highest compliment a writer can get, right? Like, is that it helps another writer get oh through God. some like problem that they're facing in their You own just work? showed me this new possibility that I hadn't 
considered or recognized. And that is the force of your genius. And it's not the first time that your writing has done that for me. And I'm sure lots of people feel that way. Well, you know that I am your biggest fan too. And, um, and I feel like, yeah, you have been an inspiration to me from the start. Uh, we don't, we don't Don't even with that shit. Okay. Um, right now I would love it if you could read us a little bit from empty theater first, before you do that, are you, are you able to recite the full title? I can't recite it, but I can read it out loud. I have been thinking about this, that it's really like my responsibility to be, to memorize the full title. No, I think it's an utter flex that you haven't. There's no need. I, okay. I think I, I think I did memorize it a couple months ago when no one cared if I had it memorized. <laughs> and now I've forgotten it. So I need I need to work on it again. Yes, please read um, us the full title and then read us a little a little something something. Yes, thank you. Um okay. Um Empty Theater or The Lives of King Ludwig II of Bavaria and Empress Sissy of Austria, parentheses, Queen of Hungary, <laughs> comma, cousins, comma, <laughs> in their pursuit of connection and beauty, despite the expectations placed on them because of the exceptional good fortune of their status as beloved national figures, period, with speculation into the mysterious nature of their deaths, period. <laughs> it is in. <laughs> incredible and that entire title is wrapped around if if you haven't seen jack's book cover for the uh for empty theater please do yourselves a favor and look it up because the cover itself is amazing and the title wraps around in this ribbon um i don't know the whole thing is just a delight thank you give us a little snippet all right so i'm gonna read the um the prologue which is um is it i think it if it wasn't the first thing I wrote, it was one of the first things that I wrote um, oh as a, and then it, eventually it got revised as I sort of added and subtracted things from the project. But, um, but yeah, it's one of the things that I've had uh, the longest about the book, which I feel like is often true for beginnings of books, but anyway, okay. I will actually read <laughs> um, prologue, uh, an omen 40 years from now, Ludwig II will be murdered by himself or by the doctor who had declared his mind unsound, or by an assassin hired by disgruntled statesmen, or by fear and ambition, his own or that of others, or by the gentle and nudging tide of the Verm Sea, or by some symphony of these, or by none of them. His body will be found drowned in the shallow of the reeds, his doctor floating a few feet away, his jacket turned inside out on dry land, missing a bullet hole's worth of fabric, or not. His cousin Empress Sissy of Austria, wading across the lake, will think she hears a cry and pace the shores, wondering if her kindred could possibly be strong enough to swim all that way. But before that, because the story will unfold no different if you learn the outcome now or later, because the ending will confound you no matter where it finds you, because if you combine enough answers, they don't look much different than a question. It is best if you know now, before Ludwig II is found dead, he will live with such a violence of feeling that his body will shake when he witnesses extreme beauty. When on stage, Elsa makes the mistake of asking the Knight of the Swan his true nature and learns that he is, in fact, Lohengrin, protector of the grail. Ludwig's sensitivity will force him from his box seat to throw up in a bucket position just out of view of the audience. Ludwig will invert his fortune by paying for operas he cannot afford. He will call for castle after castle to be built. 
never finishing a single one, his vision always outpacing the material world. Ludwig will row out to a small secluded island and snag his way through rose bushes, Alpenfays, Eurydices, and Gretels, the names of which he prefers cupping in his mouth to lacing their sweet perfumes through his nose, tucking himself into their sturdy leaves and buxom blossoms, trying to escape bad news, but it will find him again and again. After all of this, Ludwig's cabinet of ministers, frustrated, maybe even convinced they are in the right, will declare him mad. They'll make a list of his indiscretions and read it so many times they'll lose track of which items are bolstered by evidence and which will crumple under the slightest stress, like a plaster model never replaced by its marble air. Rightfully, wrongfully. They will pay a doctor to guarantee Ludwig's lack of sanity without having met him, and they will depose him and lock him away in a castle come asylum. This is after Ludwig has been named king at 18, a young man forced to rule too young, a romantic hero to the Bavarian people crowned with a job he was not designed for. Born seven years before her cousin, Sissy will always treat Ludwig like a little brother, sharing her own experiences on this parallel path of royal obligation, but her powers of empathy will repeatedly be pushed to their modest limit. The demands placed on an empress are different than those exacted from a king. Sissy will lose an infant, resent a daughter to the point of neglect, suffer the suicide of her son, and suffocate a fourth child with all the devotion she denied the others. She will flaunt her loyalty to the kingdom of Hungary, even to the point of snubbing the Austrian Empire. Deemed the most beautiful woman in Europe in her youth, she will stop sitting for portraits at age 32. In fact, she will stop sitting almost entirely, filling her days with walking and riding to keep her figure trim, shrinking herself to hide from all those prying eyes. Sissy will wander as far away as she can to the countryside of England, Madeira, Corfu, in an attempt to gain control of the life she feels has been stolen from her. Thirteen years after Ludwig's passing, Sissy will meet her own dramatic end on a stretcher in a Swiss hotel, bleeding out from an Italian anarchist stab wound, the ambivalent martyr of Austria's last grasp at remaining a major European power. But before, but first, before all of this can happen, Otto Friedrich Wilhelm must be born. Good God. I mean, reading those pages, you're in the utter grip of it. I should say you are in (laughs) Jack's like, I I was gripped as I first read it and gripped hearing you read these, these words. And it occurred to me, a thought I had as I was reading and a thought I had again just now is I don't think you reuse the same word a single time throughout this book. Your word choice is so impeccable and so meticulous and, um, I, I think that's like a, a hallmark of your work in general. Language and words are so, um, language and words are so important to you as a writer, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> they are. And I think it's when, well, I, first of all, thank you for that. Um, and, um, and I am my poor students. I'm always like circling. If a word appears twice in their stories, I'm like, do you really want to do this? <laughs> um, <laughs> They, you know, I'm like giving them my disease. Um, but, 
But I think that was one of the things that got me most excited about working on this project was like realizing, okay, if I set this in a different time and space at place and um and like with a different class of people that I've ever really spent a lot of time thinking about before, like that gives me access to a whole new um like vocabulary of uh of like, okay, like what what's the point of view here like what is the language they have access to because of what they see every day and then how does that change the way they see the world and mm -hmm. then like that get lets me play with all of that stuff in a different way than just like the words that come to me in my brain from being in the world that I am in every day I was just reading um what is his name Graham Graham McRae Burnett his newest book uh, case study and he it's about a woman in this in the 1960s um like trying to solve her sister's suicide and the way that he got into it was he read all the women's journals from the 60s oh and that so was good. how he got into their language and it reminds me of what you just said um I remember you talking about this project you know for you know years ago yeah um and how it it had sort of ballooned <clears throat> into this behemoth yeah. <laughs> um, that you then had to tame and it is so controlled and so as I said realized and just so perfect that I don't think there's a hair out of place yeah. but I I want to know what that start was for you and and how you held on as it like started to spiral into this <clears throat> bigger 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 thing yeah I mean okay so the the kind of um the seed of this project was just Jared and my partner, Jared and I went on vacation to, um, to Germany and the Czech Republic in 2014. And I visited Ludwig's big castle, Neuschwanstein, which is like, you know, the big castle that Disney, like the Disney logo is based on, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and heard the story about his murder and, uh, and, you know, and he's a queer figure and, you know, the, the crown tried to cover that up and, uh, and, you know, like he, we were in a moment where like, you know, we were just finding out that, that Trump was potentially running for president. And I was thinking about like, you know, like uh, irresponsible political figures. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, so I was just fascinated by him and, and realized like, oh, okay, I could try to, to write something about him and then started the, um, the process of researching and like reading everything I could. And, but then like realized, do I want to spend the next, you know, because I'm averaging like seven years, a novel at mm -hmm. this point, like, mm -hmm. do I want to spend the next seven years just thinking about one white dude granted he's at least <laughs> queer you know so I started like pulling in other women in his life um and uh and thought that there were going to be like at, at one point there were I, I wrote out three full other storylines for other figure other women in his life and one and then one I kind of scrapped along the way but um but it did like I, I got kind of interested in the idea of writing a really big book this is a big book but it's mm -hmm. not a really big book like and so the first draft was close to 300,000 words oh and God. it was a thousand pages oh my God. so um so, and, but I knew that I couldn't show that to anyone because, 
it was a total mess, you know, like I didn't know anything, but like when I started this, I, first of all, I'm a bad, I was a bad history student, like granted, like I was a high achiever. So for me, that might, meant that it was like the one reliable B plus on mm-hmm. my p- report mm-hmm. card, you know, it's like not horrible, but like not great. And so I really didn't like, you know, I feel like it was, I came from a kind of like insecure position in terms mm-hmm. of like, do, am I at all qualified to write about something like this? So I over-researched everything Mm -hmm. and put every little thing that I found interesting into that first draft, you know? And so, um, so, you know, I feel like I needed to do that because it was what I needed to do to convince myself that I like knew what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, but then, you know, like eventually I kind of like edited, everything down a little bit. I was still trying to keep um, all three of the female storylines. But then Mm -hmm. as I showed it to people, I feel like people were sort of like, you know, it's like a lot to manage and one, you know, they all kind of lose steam at some point. So like, I was like, okay, so I need, I need to cut two of them. And, um, and so, you know, it's it's like that his mother, and who who were the other yeah. female characters? It, no, they were more tangential. It was oh. there was um a Lola Montez storyline. Oh, so the yes. the like Spanish fake Spanish <laughs> uh courtesan dancer that seduces Ludwig the second's grandfather Ludwig the first and causes him to step down from the throne was at, at, was one of the storylines because she's so fascinating she, she so like does all that and then she goes to America and she like moves to San Francisco mm-hmm. and is still challenging people to duels and um and like has a pet bear and like so there was this whole like and then the other well the other character is Elizabeth Nay the mm-hmm. woman who sculpts him and yes. who like Bismarck kind of um tries to convince to like act as a spy for mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. Uh, and she also moves to America and like moved to Austin Texas and um and like has this amazing uh like you know it's like pushing boundaries in America then um and so there was this whole America side of this book that is gone now entirely but wow. um but you know I mean I think it's for the better I think the book is is more meaningful without those kind of um tangents well I will say those are the two moments that I put the book down and picked my phone up and was like I have to know more about these these women yeah I probably (laughs) you know couldn't say goodbye to them entirely they probably have like a little bit more detail than they actually need in terms of this story but it's so wonderful it is so wonderful and it gives you this sense that like um you know the story isn't just contained into Ludwig and Sissy right like there's it just it grows and grows and grows as your draft grew and grew and grew <laughs> yeah 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 so you know and then I really needed to get um serious about about pruning it back and like asking what actually needs to be here and um yeah so so it trunk I mean it trunk by um by more than two-thirds you know mm. so how did you how did you challenge yourself to do that? How did you, like, what was that? What did that look like? It was painful, right? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, the way that I, um, I think there's a certain point when I'm working on editing that the cutting, the joy of cutting kind of takes over. 
Mm. Um, and I, you know, when I'm drafting, I'm often trying to meet like a word count mm-hmm. for a day of adding words. And when I'm cutting, I'm like, I just got to cut another hundred words today, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it can kind of work in the same way where I start getting, letting myself kind of be more brutal and just say like, no, I don't need that. I don't need that. And, and, you know, like kind of like, I don't know, talking myself up to be more serious about what I'm working (laughs) on than, than I probably actually am. But, um, yeah, uh, I mean, so the but the kind of practical way that I did it was um, when I'm when I'm working on a book, I, I put everything on note cards and uh, and just take over a wall of my house uh, and start to kind of like track where there are patterns of behavior and theme and image and all that stuff. And like, is there like, okay, do I need three instances where this character is acting in this way? Or can I pick like the one time that it really like is at its clearest and, Mm. you know, best or worst or whatever. Um, And so, um, so, you know, some of that, some of that kind of concern of like having to put it all in, in the first draft, um, so that I can learn the thing that I'm writing happens when I'm just like making up the story too, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think the hardest thing to do about writing a novel is to just actually be able to grasp the entirety of what you're working on. And I can't do it in my brain. So no. I rely on, on the like note cards on this sort of like pictograph to do it mm-hmm. so that I, um, you know, so that I can sort of start to see how everything is working together. You're incredibly visual in general. Like I can, yeah. I'm thinking of your journaling. Yeah. <laughs> is it still, are you still journaling? Cause when, when Jack and I no. went to grad school, is it okay that I talk about this? Mm-hmm. Okay. When Jack and I went to grad school, she always had a journal and, and, you know, she would write in it, but she would also excise images that interest her, interested her and, and paste those in as well. Um, and, and are you still journaling like that? No, no, okay. no. I think okay. that, that, I think that was like almost a kind of like OCD thing where I was like, I can't throw this magazine away. I have to cut out the images that I like from the magazine before I'm allowed <laughs> to throw it away. Aww. And I mean, I am like, you know, I love art and I love, um, I don't know. I, I think it was also a way of tricking myself into journaling more because mm-hmm. if there was more visual stuff on the page, it, I had to fill up less space with writing. And so I felt like I was making progress faster than I was. Jack, holy um, shit. But- okay. This whole time <laughs> I have been like, why aren't I smart like Jack? You know, like, why don't I think in 4D like Jack does? <laughs> when meanwhile, no. we just have our own separate OCD about stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's all like, just like, you know, it's all some mind game I'm playing to try and make myself feel like I'm productive and like the thing is worth working on, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's sort of a theme I think in your, in your working life in general is making sure you're using your time wisely. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh, I'm obsessive about my time. It drives Jared crazy. (laughs) Uh, He's very tolerant of it. And, you know, after this many years accepting of it, but, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just like, I beat myself up all the time about not using my time well, but I, I mean, I think that you, I mean, I look to you when I like, am feeling like, 
oh, I can't, I can't get anything done today. I think about you. And I think about the fact that like the way that you've talked about, you know, like writing for the 20 minutes before you pick up the kids from school or something like that in the car. And I'm just like, if Lindsay can use 20 minutes, I can use 20 minutes. So it really matters. But I think I was going to ask you if you have this same thing that I do, which is ever since I was a kid, like if I was loafing, I would sort of like snap to and be like, you're going to die someday. I think I've probably (laughs) talked about that before. And, and, you know, and so I would think to myself, like, I have to make, I have to do something to mark this day, or I have to do something to make it, make the meaning rise to the surface. And that like, sort of, sort of like informed my writing practice as a child. Wow. And then to this day, um, I told myself, cause I was like crazy busy the week prior to this past week. And so I said, okay, this week I have nothing really on the calendar and I can catch up on a few things, but I'm also just going to like relax. And I could not do it. And I, I wish that I yeah. could, but I keep thinking to myself, <clears throat> you know, one of the kids is going to get sick and be home from school, which did happen this past week, you know, or like, you're going to die or, you know, <laughs> I still think those oh things. God. And so I want, I, I never want is that, is that true for you too, that you just feel like there's, there's like what you've been given and, and so you want to use it and you want, you don't want to let go of the, the stuff that you've built up, you know, letting go, meaning like not doing it every single day. Am I speaking too vaguely? Um, No, no. Yeah. I mean, I think I, yeah, I think for me, it's like realizing that if I don't, if I'm not doing a little bit all the time, then I'm not going to get that like long-term payoff of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, that, but, but it's also true that if I get my writing done for the day, it's a good day. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like, and if I don't, everything could go south any minute. Yes, <laughs> like, that's exactly. Thank you. You've, you've said it so much more eloquently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know, you know, at least if I do this one thing that is like a little bit difficult to do still for me, you know, like if it feels like the day wasn't a total, a total loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Sarah Levine, we both studied with Sarah Levine. <clears throat> she talked about keeping yourself. I think she would call it going to the desk keeping yourself going to the desk at least once a day because otherwise it gets too painful yeah. to go to the desk. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk, I, I mean, I talk about this with my students too, when they were like working on a longer project, it's like, you don't even need to work on the project every day. Right. But if you, you at least kind of like touch it, like if you at least like read a paragraph of it, it kind of brings it forward in your mind again Mm -hmm. and then like that some of that work might still be happening while you're like doing your laundry or like you know running your errands and or you know working on working on other classes you know and re and then like a connection forms that you weren't expecting to to you know that you otherwise wouldn't have made because that thing wasn't so top of mind you know and so um so I I have to admit like I I feel like I go through periods where I'm very consistent about like everyday work and then there are times where where I kind of um where I am not as as regular especially like during the school year for me um because because I teach like there there are times where 
the writing is the first thing to fall away, you know, Mm -hmm. like as most people with like regular day jobs kind of feel like it can be, you know, and so, Mm -hmm. but like, but I'm lucky enough that the, the work that I'm doing is, you know, can be related and often, you know, is intentionally, I try to make it related so that I can kind of at least keep doing some of that, um, like, uh, thinking around the thing, even if I'm thinking, not thinking directly about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the main thing that's changed for me as I've gotten older is that I can trust that writing is happening, even if I'm not typing. Yeah. Or, you know, using a pen or whatever people do. These Absolutely. Days. Yeah. Chat yeah. GPT. I, I, I think that I used to think that was bullshit and I absolutely believe it now. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's like one thing that I can sort of like breathe easier about is, um, is like, there's, there's deep thinking and processing and, and even like daydreaming matters, you know? Um, yeah. And that, so then when I get to those 20 minutes that I have, I can really, I can make them work. <laughs> can make yeah. them work for me. Um, I mentioned this a little bit in the intro, but there's a moment, um, the moment in the novel that it's, it's almost at the end. Um, the moment in the novel that really made me go, Oh my God. Okay. Um, both in terms of like my respect for you as the writer and my my um, awe of the novel, but also as a writer reading it, feeling this sort of um, door opening for me, which was the short chapter called A Meditation. Yeah. Which is at the end. And we already know that they die. So it's okay. It's not a spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it comes after Sissy's death. And, yeah. um, and it's really a moment where there's not really an, an address to a you, but it is sort right. of directed. It is from this ruminative voice that has been telling us this story to whoever's reading it. And I just wanted to hear where that came from for you. What what part in the process did it feel like um, something you had to like insist on or, you know, like, tell me about it. Tell me about that choice. Yeah, it came really, really late in the mm-hmm. writing of the book. Um, and I think it was like, I think it came from having worked on the book for so long and having had so many kind of dra- drastically different iterations where, you know, characters that were there for a hundred pages of the mm-hmm. book, like mm-hmm. were gone, you know, like I just started thinking like, okay, what is this thing now? Like now that I've cut all this other stuff, what, what is the book about mm-hmm. anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I came down, it came down to thinking about like loneliness and isolation and um and i just um i don't know yeah it felt like i felt like this could either really work or it could like totally flop and they're like oh you know jack is trying to be more profound than she is or something you know (laughs) but um (laughs) but uh but i don't know it just felt like i needed to like to say some of the things that no one was willing to voice directly, you know, like even when Sissy and Ludwig are kind of at their lowest points in the book, neither of them will, will sort of name what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, 
And so it felt important to, to finally name it. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason it's so powerful and it was powerful for me is because, and the reason why it's not falsely profound is because it's not, it's a, it's a new way of, of speaking. It's a new voice mm-hmm. and it's saying something that hasn't been said. It's just like you're saying, no one has put it to words yet. And it really does bring a lot of things to fruition. It's very, very <clears throat> poignant and profound. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it felt very, um, badass to me. <laughs> it felt like you were in absolute control oh, and thank you. It really matters, um, to, to the book, in my opinion. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I think about, do, do you know that Donald Barthelmey story, the school where no. like, um, it's like, I mean, it's most well-known because like a hamster shows up, like a hamster shows up at the end of the story. <laughs> I should, I would let love me this. start from the beginning. <laughs> Basically, okay, all of these things die. Like the story is almost like a list story, right? It's like their children's, like it, it, all of these things die at this school. It's like the children's herb garden dies and then their class fish dies and then their gerbil dies. And then, you know, like, and then like people's family members start dying. You're like, okay, I get it. Like, things are dying right but then the way that the story ends is it sort of like totally changes um its mode of storytelling and goes into this weird deep philosophical conversation that the um that the teacher of this elementary school classroom has with his children and all of a sudden they're all talking in this like really heightened um heightened that vocabulary where the kids are much smarter than they're supposed to be and talking about concepts that they shouldn't be shouldn't know what they mean um but I I think that like I just think about that story all the time the way that it's really fun in the beginning and really funny but then it's sort of like the way that it as it like kind of escalates and reaches poignancy is just by having this major shift where it becomes something totally different Mm -hmm. and um and the only way to do that is to kind of like transcend to a different plane like kind of like break the rules of everything you've known about the story so far and like make a make an establish a new foundation and um and yeah, I mean, I think about that story too much for it being like a two-page story, but um, <laughs> but I think about it all the time because almost, I feel like just structurally it makes sense to me. Yeah, and it it almost feels like a choice like my ten-year-old would make, like just suddenly we're on this other plane of existence, mm-hmm. and so it feels um it feels like primal in that way, but but it's more um I don't know, it's more controlled, right? Yeah. Like it it. Uh, I guess I'll have to read that story. Fine. Yeah, really I'll good. read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you watched any of the miniseries about Sissy? Yeah. Yeah. I watched it all. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. I was so surprised. I really thought that it was going to be her whole life. Um, but it's just, I, I mean, they're planning more seasons, I guess, because it ends like barely, you know, through like the beginning of her marriage to, to Franz. So, um, yeah, it was good. I think that it's still, I'm really excited. There's a movie coming out, um, called, uh, Corsage that's, um, with, um, 
with uh, the this actress Vicky Cripps. She was like the kind of like muse woman in Phantom Thread, and then she was in um, Shyamalan's Old, which I also I really liked and think oh, about a lot. Really, um, yes. Um, but uh, uh, it, she it seems like they're approaching the sissy story in this film from an almost more kind of like. Like it's her later in life, mm. and um, and it seems like they're bringing what I've heard from what I've heard. I haven't seen it yet because I don't think it's been released at all in the states. Is that it has an almost kind of like punk rock aesthetic, <gasps> which I'm nervous about, but excited. Like I feel like it might be a kind of similar, like you know, Sofia Coppola's yes. Marie Antoinette kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the um. I feel like the miniseries is still a little bit, you know, they're certainly showing Sissy's Rebellion, but it still feels a little bit traditional in terms of like approach to historical narrative. Mm-hmm. Corsage. I wonder um, mm-hmm. if they're, if in the mini, in, in the miniseries, are her teeth good or bad? Oh, they're good. Yeah. Oh, come on. Fine. I know. I, I know. I wonder about Corsage, if, if they'll be oh, true to that. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. I'm sorry for ruining this for other people, but that when no. that moment comes in the book, it's genuinely delightful <laughs> and shocking because you just hear about this beauty and she's known for being beautiful and she walks into a room and she's just, everybody stops and, and she shows her teeth at one point and they're terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I think everyone's teeth were bad at the time, but they oh, were, right. but she and Ludwig knew well enough to be really, um, well, I don't know. I don't want to shame people who have bad teeth because like, I've never had braces and my teeth, get, like I, I keep going like, this is the year I get Invisalign and I do I'm not. getting Invisalign um, on Friday. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Good on you. Yes. I'm jealous. <laughs> I have a, I have a crossbite. Okay. I can't live like me this too. <gasps> oh my me gosh. Me too. And my dentist told me that if I don't uh, correct it, like I could be, you know, I could just like chip my own teeth off over yep. time. <laughs> yeah. I'm chewing on the side of my molars. Yeah. Which is what's happening. Oh. So yeah, do it. Okay. I mean, like I have to do care right. credit and I have to pay it off over time, but I'm doing yeah. it. Okay. Maybe we could do it together. Let's do it together. And we'll both be like, <laughs> hey everyone, it's me, Lindsay Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a Invisalign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's like the one thing that they're actually both self-conscious about. Like at least yes. in the beginning, as they get yes. older, they both get a little um, like uh, you know, um, you know insecure but well yeah she's very careful with her mouth and she's always making sure that you know she's keeping it keeping it close and I and I so relate to that because I I feel like I have done the same thing where I just try to talk in as small amount of space as possible (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah teeth I've had bad teeth my whole life so I relate yeah me too me too (laughs) yeah that's probably why I um why I call it out so specifically for both of them is because I, it's like, I get it. It's painful. Know? It's painful. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, How does it feel being on the receiving end of so much buzz? It's cool, man. Yeah. Like, yep. I, you know, I, um, I, this is my first hardcover I know. and I do feel like, you know, it's like, it feels like a little more is happening, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's so nice that like, I don't know. It feels like people are reading it. I, I don't, it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be like huge, huge or anything, you know, but like, that's okay. Like, I feel like the people who 
it's for are seem to be finding it and it's not even quite out yet, you know? And so like, that's kind of all I can hope for, you know, is that, um, is that, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, this book, I feel I've been working on it since 2015. Mm-hmm. I, this is eight years in, I feel like for years three to seven I was like this book is just gonna be the dud and that's okay (laughs) like like I you know I've been lucky like people haven't really like totally decimated me in reviews so far oh this one is just gonna be the bad one you know and so that's okay and so it's so bad one oh my god Jack oh my god so it's so surprising and exciting when people are like I read this really quickly or like, whoa, the, the, I I, the, I wouldn't normally like something like this, but I, uh, I was really into it. That's really exciting to me because I feel like I also wouldn't generally pick up a book about royalty. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, so it's just, yeah, it is. It feels really nice to like, to feel like people are seeing it. I've always felt so intimidated by your intellect because you're a damn genius And then when you were, you know, when I started to know more about like what you were writing, um, I was like, well, I'll read it, but I know I'm too dumb. Like I, (laughs) like, I can't wait to read it because I'm going to learn so much as a writer, but as a human too. Um, But I, Jack, this book is going to (laughs) explode. Oh, you're so nice. It is a blast. It is a page turner. Um, And I, I, I don't know. I, I love that you thought, because it's the same thing that I say to myself, like, well, this will just be the one that I'll just have to, you know, like bravely stand by, (laughs) but it's, it is, this book is so special and so fun. And like the details are some of the most fun I had reading it where just describing what, how Sissy gets dressed Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, the things that Ludwig is, you know, like the art that he's into and and the music that he loves and those kinds of details from that time that are so foreign to me are and never feels like you're like there was this thing called a you know whatever and it was this it was it's just part of their lives and as we read it it's so clear the image is so clear we know exactly what it is we know what color it is we're there um I don't know I think this book's going to be huge thank you it's gotten how many starred reviews now just two. Just two. Well, no, I mean, you know, this is this is the disease, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, you you get um I've got a lot of diseases. <laughs> I've got the no using two words uh, a word twice in a manuscript <laughs> disease. I've got the like you get a little bit of good news and now all you can think about is if there's more good news coming disease. <laughs> You know, like, you're like, oh, I got one star. Why didn't these people give me a star disease? You know, when it's like, why not? Like, you know, two months ago, I was like, uh, nobody's going to like it. And it's probably, I'm probably going to get canceled for it or something, you know, like, (laughs) so, so yeah, yeah, no, I'm very, very happy and grateful for two stars. 
Oh but you know it's like you're always just kind of jared always jokes about how how he wrote a whole like dumb little song about how i love good news and like how <laughs> i get grumpy if like i have to wait too long for some good news about something oh, <laughs> can jared send me a recording of that and i'll put it on yeah, the yeah i would i'm serious yeah. please have him do that yeah i will yeah <laughs> what what do you think the are you do you feel comfortable saying or do you even know what the pinnacle good news would be. Oh, we were just talking about this. Like, like if, if I could win any award and I don't even like, I, you know, like I don't read the Pulitzers every year, like, you know, but I'm like, but I feel like that would be like the, um, the thing that people paid the most attention to. But I think for me, the pinnacle would be something that was more like, you know, I mean, I don't think uh, like, like, like a Guggenheim would be incredible just because it would Mm. mean that would be the thing that felt like it actually had like a bearing on my day to day and where I could like have more time to write, you know? Yes. Yeah. That does. That is so true. I'm probably jinxing myself, but I don't like, I don't really believe in that. I I think we should talk about this stuff. Absolutely. I think naming it matters. And, um, I can't think of anyone who deserves it more than you. Um, I'm, I'm being completely honest. Um, no. and I think, I think it's that I think is what, is what a lot of us strive for at the end of the day is when we want our lives to change in a way that allows us to have more time to keep doing this work. And it's yeah. very rare for that to happen. But yeah, yeah. You know, like, but I'm also, I don't know. It's going to sound like I'm like, um, I don't know, like, 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 covering my ass or something but like I also understand that like a book about uh about like 19th century European royalty is not probably the book that is gonna like matter the most in our given time Mm -hmm. and so like I also expect nothing for it in terms of like awards or anything like that and and like don't have hard feelings about that you know what I mean well of course no yeah no and I I wasn't even asking you what you expected I was just asking you about your dreams you know thank you yes Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I can't wait to to hear Jack Gems Guggenheim recipient maybe someday you know like I think about the fact that like I don't know Eileen Miles didn't get one until they were like um, you know, until like five years ago or something. And you're like, right. how the heck was Eileen Miles writing all this time? And and nobody gave her a Guggenheim, you yep. know? Yep. I so, know. yeah. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just keep, keep applying. Every yeah, year. exactly. That's all you can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Laura Vandenberg was like, I did not expect this at all. And yep. I just said, you know, what if? Yep. And that's what you have to do. Yep. Yep. It's hard also that you have to apply for it. Right. I know It'd be nice if it was like a MacArthur where it was like, <laughs> what? I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's like, here's why what I do matters. Yeah. I um, know. I know. That's so hard to, to, to do that because, you know, like I was saying, it's like, there are times where I'm like, Ugh, I shouldn't even be like arguing that this matters, you know, like somebody else. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. But it does, Jack. It really does. This book, and I mean, if you're talking about in terms of like the social good that it will do, anytime you're centering a queer character or a woman, that matters yeah. so much. Yeah. 
that yeah. matters a lot. And even the peripheral women that you that you get to in this book, you know, like Lola Montez and is it yeah. El- <laughs> Elizabeth Nay? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Those matter too. I mean, it matters, yeah, like Jack. Lola Montez is like the Rachel Dolezal of yes. the time. Like, Come on. she's like an Irish lady pretending to be a Spanish dancer. Like, <laughs> yes. I don't know. I don't know that she needs my platform at this point, but I am obsessed. <laughs> I think she's happy for any press. Yeah, I. I mean, she just, is. She's so loving this is. from beyond. Yes. <clears throat> at one point, yeah. I think I saw on like an Insta story or something where you said the next book you write is going to be very simple. <laughs> That's what I always say. And now I've already gotten like, you know, I'm overthinking it and trying. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about it or is it too soon? No, it's fine. I don't know. I'm, I've always been kind of um, open about what I'm working on next. And um, I don't know, it, it hasn't bitten me yet, but um, it's a, it's a, another horror thing. Thing. Um, and it's it's about a haunted painting oh oh my god <laughs> did you see the witches that the 80s version of the witches roll dolls you know the the movie? i love the witches yes. okay so the when Angelica he's trapped Houston in the painting one? yes yeah. mm-hmm. that i think about that constantly and i try to explain like to my <laughs> kids how that like terrified me and and like scared me more than than the shining in a way yeah. Um, so I love the idea of a haunted painting. Is it yeah. is it based on a real painting? No, no. But I did justify because I was working on this project. I justified buying myself this painting that from this little gallery near the house that um, that seems like it maybe has a troubled past. Oh, <laughs> is the artist still alive? Do you even know who the artist yeah, is? Yeah. Okay. Yes. But it's like, cool. It's like all of the people who have owned it and the artist, all of them are like, I don't want to talk about that painting. Stop it. What? <laughs> oh, and, I, and, and the, the, um, the woman, the, the name of the gallery that, that I just want to like, um, name drop because they're so cool and so great. It's called trash lamb gallery and melody, the woman who runs it, um, like when she told me about this, she was like, I wouldn't tell everyone about this history of the painting, but you seem like you'll like it. And I was like, yes. Uh, and I like left. And then like, I came back the next day and I was like, I need to have it. <laughs> I have to see this. Will you please send me a picture? I won't, yeah, I won't yeah, post it or sure. anything, but I must see it. Trash lamb. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at it right now. They're in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the haunted painting story that always got me was there was one in like, you know, I feel like we grew up in a golden age of like, here are all these different haunted, haunted, uh, you know, ghost story books, you know? Um, and, um, there was one that was like, this guy buys a painting of a castle. There's a, uh, a light on in the window, in one window of the castle. Otherwise the castle is dark. Right. And so he has like a party, um, for of people over and they're all like and he's told them about this painting a million times and then they look at the painting and the light is out and um and (laughs) and they're like what and then the next day the light is on and then you know like he traces the history to be like you know this tragic thing that happened in that room of the castle a hundred years ago to the day and the light turns out on the day that it happened (sighs) or something you know and it's like oh as a kid got me as a child I was like Yes. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how, like, how far are you in? Are you, do you have a draft? Are you drafting? Yeah, I have, I have a 
draft, but it's a very slim draft. Um, yeah, I tried to write longhand this summer because I was just so over screens. Um, and then it's so I, I wrote the draft in like three months and then it took me like four months to transcribe it. Oh, So I will never, ever do that. Again. That's right. I forgot. I saw you say something about that. Like, nope, that didn't. Yeah. yeah. Cause in nope. some ways I sometimes think to myself like, well, typing, you know, real writers get their, you know, <laughs> like at some point they're writing longhand, but it's just not my thing. Yeah. I thought I'd love it. I thought I would, I would be like, oh yeah, this is easy work. I could just type, you know, today instead of writing and that'll be so satisfying. And I just like, it just felt so slow and, and, um, obnoxious, but yeah. So I don't think I'd do it again, but you know, I'm willing to try something new to see if it, if it, uh, produces good results, but it didn't. So fuck that forever. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Never again. Um, Alex and I usually end the episode talking about like books we've read and he's not here. So I would love if you could give us some book recommendations. Oh, brother. You know, I, I every, about everybody always just like freezes up. In yes, terms I know. Of this I should have warned right? you. No, no, no. Um, no, I should have realized because I know that you ask people that. But um, yeah, you know, okay. So so maybe the way that I'll approach this is um, like thinking about other books that I read that because I'm not a historical fiction person generally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like thinking about other books that I really loved and thought about a lot while I was working on this so that like, you know, if people did read it and they're like, oh, maybe I could like some historical fiction. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, the first book is um, this book by Laurent Binet uh, called HHHH that is about like this um like it, it's about the these Czech soldiers who go on this mission to assassinate a Nazi leader, which to me, honestly, um, like when a friend described this thing to me, I was like, uh, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the book also takes like as its subject the um the kind of like writing of historical fiction and the anxiety of like, wait, someone else is writing about the same thing that I'm writing about. Like, oh do gosh. I need to stop? Do you know, like if theirs is going to be better than mine. And like, um, and that just felt like so, so real to me. Um, and, uh, and so, and it's like a really funny book in surprisingly too. So I loved that. I loved, um, I love Catherine Davis. Catherine Davis is one mm. of my favorite writers and she has a book called Versailles that um that is like a Marie Antoinette book that um that is just very like kind of lyric and um and um her books are always just so dense and um and like uh and and rich and uh and it feels like you're just sort of like dropped into like this moment without having to account for like great swaths of history mm-hmm. you know which i think is like really nice um daniel dutton's margaret the first oh, uh yes. is such a beautiful yeah like kind of like surprising way to approach a historical figure um yeah, I think like th- those are a few that were oh and then there's like I read this book um called The Leopard that um Anne Patchett had recommended as like one of her top 10 books of all time. It's by oh. a writer named Lampedusa and like once I was aware of it um uh it felt like all of a sudden I started seeing it everywhere but it's like um it's about <laughs> it's really like 
I, I would say that it's of the historical fiction that I read, like sort of trying to get my mind around like the genre. Like it was the book that I was like, Do, am I understanding what's going on here? Like Whoa. it was like a little difficult for me to approach, but it was also just so, so funny. Like I feel like it was like, like the tone was like, kind of like the Sopranos, like it's about um, an Italian, I forget if it's like a count or a duke, but it's about like the sh- these shifts of power and they're just like idiots wandering around <laughs> trying to like accomplish, you know, uh, like uh, useless tasks. And you're just like, why does this person have any power whatsoever? They don't know what they're doing at all. And, um, and like, I, I think that I was thinking about that a lot too. Like, as I was sort of like trying to shape some of the characters, it's just like the absurdity that anyone in this world would have power over anyone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I feel angry with you because now I have three books because I've read Daniel Dutton's book. Yeah. <laughs> I have three books that I need to read now. <laughs> yeah. No, they're fun. Yeah. And my, my, my bedside stack is threatening to topple and kill us all, but I know. It's fine. It's I've got life. like a whole uh, unread bookshelf. So, yes. you know, yeah. Don't you feel cozy about it too, though? Like, it's yes. Kind of yes. the best feeling. Like, I oh, feel like I that to look it is. To. I used to feel kind of bad about it. And now I'm like, no, it's like, you know, like I'm buying the books that I want to see more of in the world. Like, yes. even if I haven't had the time to read them yet, like, I am like trying to contribute to the world that I want to see around me. You know? Yes. God, that is yeah. such a beautiful yeah. way of putting it. And that is why everyone. I mean, this empty theater is coming out this month, but Next, uh, yeah, yeah. February um, 21st. Yeah. So you still have time to pre-order it and pre-ordering matters a lot. And um, wow. we all want more Jack gems in the world and we all want more books like this in the world. So I'm going to pop the pre-order link in our show notes. This episode's going to come out this Tuesday, Jack. Thank um, you. And so people can pre-order it because what a damn delight this book is. What uh, just an absolute blast I had reading it and everyone will. And I, I literally think about it all the time, Jack, that it made that kind of impression on my brain and my soul. And, um, I just feel so grateful that it exists and, and grateful that you exist. Oh, I feel the same. I love you so much. Thank you you so, so much for reading it and for, uh, and for asking questions about it. I love you. Please come on. Um, thank you to Jack gems, everyone pre-order empty theater. And Jack, you're going on a little tour. What cities are you visiting? Um, yes, just a little mini tour. Uh, LA, Portland. I'll be in Seattle for AWP. Um, uh, New York, Chicago. And then I'm seeing if I can do something in the Bay Area, maybe. Awesome. Everyone go to Jack Jem's website. Figure that out. Go see her. And thank you, Jack. Thank you. Bye. Bye. seen the way you walk away I've seen the time you did a crime I've seen how far you drove my car I've seen you park I think you're smart it's just my way I'm trying to say I shoes, you hate my shoes, 
that's old news. I'm moving my shoes. I'm moving my shoes. I'm moving my shoes.